Knockout Ginger, episode 39 with Leighton Harrell, bass player, student, band leader. We got into some shit. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. That is not an invitation to add me to your mailing list. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe and do all that stuff. Check out my Spotify playlist. Good luck out there. F all the haters. What's been up since the second shutdown? Uh, the second shutdown? Um, well, about a week into the second shutdown, I... Uh, hurt my my pinky uh, my left pinky so I've been uh, trying to learn how to not like I've, I've just been not playing the bass because uh, I can't um, without pain right now so I'm just kind of dealing with that recently man um, reading playing video games uh, cool work that isn't playing the bass it's, it's messed up when you're uh, when you know you go to school to play an instrument and then you can't play it but you still have to do the school part it's uh kind of a weird vibe so i don't know i'm just dealing with like the injury really that's been the main event uh since shutdown number two <laughs> damn that sucks i know all about the injuries man and it's uh it sucks but once you figure it out and you sort like you figure out what the problems are and stuff mm-hmm. it, it ends up being like a i don't know it's like a learning experience i guess just like everything else yeah absolutely that's how that's what everybody's telling me everybody that's like older than me and knows more about not only music the bass, but life everybody's saying you know like we'll come back from this and figure it out so i'm trying to figure it out i think it has to do with like stuff I'm doing with my back and shoulder and arm and how that goes into the fingers. But I'm not really sure. I have physio for it next week. Nice. I thought it was yesterday, but it it wasn't. So I went all the way to the hospital and they were like, nope, you're next Wednesday. So that's my life. <laughs> yeah. No, but I've been, uh, I've been trying to listen to a lot of music too because I can't play. So like yesterday I was up till five in the morning listening to Bud Powell record recordings. Nice. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean we all we figure we figure shit out. Like you, yeah. you gotta just move your focus a little bit for the time being and uh it is what it it is, I I, I guess. Uh yeah. I mean there's nothing wrong with staying up till five in the morning listening listening to Bud Powell, like Yeah. I mean, it's so deep and so good and just, uh, is it bad for my like sleeping thing? Yeah, probably because I was doing good this week. Like, man, every Monday I'm like, okay, this week I'm going to go to bed early, wake up early. This week I'm going to, I make it about three days normally, but this time I made it, oh, Monday, Tuesday, so that three days. Okay. I did that for three days and then 
Wednesday came along and uh, I just, you know, I was listening to Bud all day and then I was like, why, why should I stop? <laughs> was my, right. my thing. And, uh, it kept me up, but you know, whatever. I mean, if there's any time to do it, it's when you're having an existential crisis because you can't play your instrument. Right. And you can't play your instrument and the world is shutting down. Right. And, uh, but I mean, at, at least, uh, at least the election kind of went the right way. Yeah. I suppose. Or it yeah. seems for the time being. Yeah. A better <laughs> way could have. The, the, the best possible outcome happened, I think. True. Which, like, yeah. Like, for the presidential election, I guess. I mean, not to say that's like a necessarily good outcome or that we're, we should be satisfied with it or whatever, but I think it is preferable to, uh, to, four more years of dt <laughs> certainly yeah it's yeah it's crazy uh i don't know i mean how long have you been in canada um sorry i shouldn't have to think about it for that long three years three years, uh, three years and a couple months i moved august 2017 so. right so i started uh, that's like right around when i started moving back oh okay so Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. Maybe we shouldn't get into this. Maybe we should. I don't. I don't know what. Uh, whatever, man. Uh, but yeah. As a, as an American, you're from North Carolina. That's right, North Carolina. Right. So, as a, what's it like watching this from a bit more of a distance than most Americans? Um. I mean, it's like a, well, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question just because, like, I think it, it's probably different for, oh, man, I hate, like, referring to myself as, like, an expat <laughs> just because, like, I think that's, I don't know. I just have a weird thing about, oh, I'm an expat or whatever. Yeah. But um, as, like, a, I feel like it's probably different for, like, all American expats in Canada and abroad elsewhere. Just because, like, I guess we all had a different relationship to... I don't know, man. I mean, for, okay, so for me, like, as an American, I... You know, I guess I just feel a little distant from from it after being here for a while. And, and also, I think part of that is informed by the fact that I'm a Canadian citizen. And so, like, I feel, like, not equal parts, but I feel like a great deal of my identity is, like, also one of... Canadianness, if we're gonna call it that. Right. I didn't realize you had, you were a Canadian citizen. Yeah, yeah. So my mom is um, from Canada, like from uh, like Niagara, the Niagara area, and I grew up um, in North Carolina. But in the summers, we would come up to Canada, like St. Catharines. Uh, do you know this town, Welland? By yeah. Any chance? Yeah, yeah. Because oh, you're from Hamilton, right? Uh, sorry, Burlington. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So my grandmother lived in Welland. It's great. You know, we yeah. spent money. Uh, I don't even know what we did, but we were in Canada for a lot, a lot of the summers growing up. So I uh, feel like I feel connected to Canada in a way that I think a lot of, like I have a lot of American friends at school and I, and, and many of them are dual citizens. Many of them aren't. Uh, and so I feel kind of connected to Canada. And so because of that, I feel like because I kind of have a home here and I have family here and stuff, 
it, it makes my relationship to the U.S. a little bit different in that it, it's kind of instead of like being away from home, sometimes it's like I have two homes in, in a sense. And so in relation to the election, like, uh, I don't know, I, I guess like when I went, so when I moved here in like 2017, I, I, I like really, uh, you know, I guess like had issues identifying as an American because I, I really have, without getting too much into like my personal politics, I just have like a lot of problems with like the USA and what it stands for and, and how it operates in the world. And, and so I, I was really struggling with the identity of American and, 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 and to me, Donald Trump is like the most American president ever in terms of like being kind of an accurate representation of what, I mean, like the country represents and has represented in terms of like white supremacy and capitalism and, 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 and ruthlessness and, and, and being terrible. And so I kind of saw that when I moved here as like kind of the face of America had been revealed. Um, and so part of the reason I guess I moved, well, not really was to get away from, I mean, I guess like peripherally that was like a reason, but also just like, anyway, I guess, so what I'm trying to say is that like, I really was, when I moved here, I was really rejecting the American identity um, in a lot of ways. And so I think that played out in a way that made me feel uh, disconnected just from, like I, I looked at America as like this place where all my friends, it was my home, I guess, but it was also like being in Canada allowed me a layer of separation to, so I don't know, man, sorry, I'm, right. I'm long-winded here, but I guess like, answer that question what is he like i don't know just disconnected from it man that's how i felt like this whole time i just felt like man this is like really impacting my family and my friends and everything but i just i can't like i don't even it's just so beyond i don't does that make sense at all yeah i, I don't know i think it does. like when okay. i was so i mean i guess i almost had the opposite effect because i was down there I was mm. living in New York for the 2016 election yeah. as a Canadian, and uh, I had, like, uh, the years all blend together. I was done school, and I was on a one-year work visa. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like, um, it sort of felt like I was, I was part of it. Like, it, ha mm. it felt like it was happening to me personally, because, like, immediately... I came into work the next day after the election and immediately my bosses started talking to me about like uh, trying to figure out a way to keep me right? because they knew immigration was going to change. Mm. So like immediately I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Trump, totally. Trump ruined me, you know, to a certain extent, but. Right. It, it well, was I like, feel like... Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say it was like very direct feeling for me. Really? I feel like I kind of evaded some of that almost by moving here. You know what I mean? Like I kind of, uh, cause Trump was inaugurated like right around the time I was auditioning at schools. Um, so it was like pretty real in the sense that like shit was going to change. I saw the Trump signs come up in my neighborhood. I saw, you know, like I, I and I, I kind of, so yeah, I guess like part of the reason, I mean, there were a number of reasons why I chose to come to, um, oh, I guess you have to, I, I chose <laughs> I'm at a, I chose to come to a unspecified Canadian institution to study. Um, 
was because I knew that, or like just because of the election and everything and, 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 and Trump, but I, uh, I feel like because I moved, I kind of like, like, like kind of escaped, like having to really critically like live through like just the most bizarre presidents, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so in a lot of ways, I feel like there's probably like a lot of work and, and like stuff I have to work out about what those, these past four years have meant for me as a person, as an American that I haven't worked out yet because I've been in Canada that I will have to at some point process uh, as I, especially if I move back to the States, I don't, I don't know. Um, it feels, it feels messed up and it comes from a place of great like privilege. And I, and I, I try to be aware of that, but yeah, I like, it's always felt like I've had a way out because I have, because I am a member of like, I'm a Canadian citizen. And so I, I just moved here. Right. And that, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of messed up. Um, I feel like a draft dodger in, in a couple of ways. <laughs> I mean, just like, yeah, I kind of dipped. Yeah. I went into work the morning after the election and people mm. were just sitting at their desks sobbing. Yeah. Just like, just bawling. And it just felt like the end of the world. It was a crazy time. And I think, um, like, the the relief after Biden won was, or yeah. won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the relief was great. Like, I feel like a totally different person. And it, like, doesn't wow. even involve, like, I have nothing to do with, you know. Like, I felt like I was pretty... Um, after after I left, I sort of, or after, like, when I left New York and came back to Canada, I was just kind of like, uh, I totally checked out from it. Like, I was like, this this changed my life, and I'm not going to think about it anymore. And uh, right. I just sort of didn't realize that I was, like, still hanging on to all this yeah. stuff. <laughs> totally. Yeah, man. But also, it there's, like, there's a cop in the White House now, so what... <laughs> right right but also well man i'm thinking about this jackie mclean um that it's called jackie mclean on mars that film from like i think 79 or something i think it was done by some like nyu grad students it's like it's a great documentary just about have you seen it i've seen parts of it i've seen like okay. youtube clips but i haven't gone through the whole thing yeah i think the whole thing is on youtube i can send you the link after this is, but anyway, it's, it's, it's like pretty amazing, but he talks about like the day JFK died, uh, and his wife, um, I can't remember her name, but they were, the film crew was in and they were interviewing Jackie McLean and his wife and, uh, his wife reminded him, she was like, you know, like, like Jackie had a concert on the day that MLK was assassinated or not MLK, sorry, not MLK, JFK, um, on the day JFK was assassinated and uh, Jackie was like, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, we went out and played one tune and then we just went back and told the people at the theater to give them, like give the people their money back because we weren't going to play. And it wasn't about, and he said it wasn't about like any kind of loyalty we had to JFK or anything. It was just like, that was such a like seismic event in like the American, I guess like, uh, like psyche or whatever and he was like yeah it's not like we had any allegiance to jfk or the government or anything so in the same way in the same way like donald trump losing i don't have any allegiance to joe biden 
and I don't I don't love Joe Biden or or Kamala Harris, but but like Trump being out of the office, I think has a similar impact. Just in that, like it's totally like real to feel relief at you know what I mean. You know you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's yeah, because um, like what it comes down to is. I mean, the president of the United States is like mm. essentially the leader of the one of the, like, however you say it, leader of the free world or whatever. Right. And I'm sure that implies some, some shit, but <laughs> it's kind of like, it sort of feels like it's kind of everyone's, everyone's problem, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I don't know enough about like, global politics to say why it's everyone's problem but i think it yeah like and i I went to south africa in um 2016 in between my grade 11 and grade 12 years and um just talking to like some friends of mine that i have there about the world and and one thing that became very apparent very quickly was in south africa they they watch CNN and they know like stuff that's going on in the States. You know what I mean? It's like every, everywhere. I mean, like, I guess the like hegemonic power of this empire has such an impact on everywhere in the world that it is everyone's business. Like what happens there politically, etc. you know? Yeah. It's heavy. I don't know. Are you a dual citizen? Yeah, or... I'm a dual citizen. All right. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Living the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm quite fortunate, and I'm realizing that more and more um, as I continue to live in Canada. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't leave. Yeah. Stay here. <laughs> well, man, I might leave and come back, but I think it's there's good things about living. There are a lot of good things about living in Canada versus the U.S., um, like, for example, like, um, what is access to healthcare that is affordable is like crazy. That is huge. That's monumental. Um, but yeah, man. So, um, so are you, I think you mentioned this to me, you're thinking about moving away for grad school. Yeah, actually, bro, it's crazy. That, that, so that was my plan. Cause all of the auditions, like the pre-screenings for all the programs I was looking at were due December 1st or are due December 1st. Um, and so I was like, all right, November, man, I'm going to hit the shed. I'm going to get all this shit together. It's going to be great. I'm going to practice my ass off and I'm going to nail these pre-screenings. Um, and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to nail these auditions and in, uh, January, February or whatever. And then like the third, second, or I guess like the last week of October, I hurt my finger and uh, it's a wrap, man. Like I, I can't, I was optimistic. I was supposed to be able to play by yesterday, Yeah. but I tried and it was painful. And I was like, man, I can't. And even if I were able to play yesterday, like I wouldn't have been able to get all the material done in two weeks. It would have taken a month to really like get into all the audition material. So I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to uh, like, whether it's God or the universe or whatever, uh, something has happened that has prevented me from my plan. And that probably means, well, I don't know what it means. It doesn't have to mean anything, but I'm not going to do that plan anymore. So 
I'm going to take at least a year off after undergrad now, basically, is what it comes down to. Yeah, uh, good idea. It's, yeah. uh, it's important. It's like my, the years I took off, I think, were some of the best learning years from, of my life, I think. Probably. Maybe. That's what everybody, everybody I talk to, no one regret, regrets taking time off from school. Like, no one, like, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. I think about it a lot going back to school and, uh, mm. I don't know. I love school, but I also kind of hate what it does to my playing. And right. so it's a double edge thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, it can be like, realistically, if you're in a place with a bunch of people, like-minded people mm. and you're just sitting, you're sitting in a room listening to someone talk about something that they're passionate about. Like, that's the greatest thing. Ever. Like, that's why I like podcasts, you know, like totally, just bro. hearing people talk about stuff that they care about mm. is awesome. And learning is great, but also, uh, you know, there's so much shit that comes along with it that I just don't care for and a lot of it's amplified uh, here in Toronto I think because um, a lot of well <laughs> a lot a lot of white people think they're the jazz police and yeah. uh, that's I can't really what like why would I subscribe to that at, at all like i'm kind of at the point where where i am right now i'm just like active aggressively trying to push against that so it's probably not even a healthy thing for me to go back yet anyway i don't know i don't know mm -hmm. just stuff yeah man so like nah. having time off to to just think about your shit is i think good you know yeah man. i uh um, I'm trying to just use tact in my, uh, in my like I'm trying to tactfully. Uh, it's a weird thing being a Black American. Uh, I I am Canadian too. I also have weird identity stuff just about who I am because I'm Canadian and I'm biracial. But I think that I'm perceived as black. Like it's a whole thing. Like identity is this weird thing, right? But I I think like. I can call myself a black American who plays black music, but I study it in Canada with white Canadian professors. And sometimes it's, it feels like some of them are telling me the opposite things of stuff I've learned from black American masters of this music um, in my individual study and, and from playing with them and you know what I mean? Um, like at home or whatever. Right. And so, I think, yeah, like the time off from school thing, I think would be useful to help me sort out all my shit, like all the conflicting information I have uh, in my head. I mean, you know, like, cause that's, that shit's real. And that's also like beyond school just being like such an intense atmosphere where like, I mean, you know, like there's expectations and they're like, it's just the workload is insane. And you just have to like, really like, I mean, you know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff about school that's just like really intense without all of the other like social um stuff you know like without think without even having to think about like wow i'm the only black person in a program of like 120 students um is that right is that is that yeah. 
That's, yeah, like without it, without even without even thinking about that, school is hard. And then and then when you put like that shit on top of it, it's like that's yeah. remarkable. That's like that's like yeah, it's crazy. It didn't start that way. There were like four of us in my first year, not in in the same year, but just throughout the whole program. But uh, I mean, that uh, so that's like that's crazy to think about. Um, are there are there black students in the rest of the music program, like aside from jazz? Yeah, there are a couple in the classical program, but not in the jazz program. So yeah, like that's crazy. But I, I don't know, like, I feel like I have a lot of shit to like work out and like, <laughs> like not to be dramatic because I, I, I think we should be really careful about the use of this word. But like, I think I, I am holding like with me some trauma from the, like that kind of experience. Um, you know what I mean? And like, I, I, I think that word, like, I don't use that word lightly. Yeah. Um, but I haven't like started working it out at all, really, just because I haven't had time or space to because I'm, I'm, I'm in school and I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get a deeper connection with the bass and I'm trying to get deeper into this music. And I don't really like, you know, I've been on these like committees and shit, uh, especially this summer. And I had to step back from some of them because like right now I need to focus on getting my shit together as an artist. And I think like. Like I, I got this this kind of message in my head. Do you know Roxanne Gay? Do you know that writer? No. Okay, she's this great American, uh, like like Haitian American writer, or I guess American of Haitian descent would be a better term. Um, yeah, and she is a great academic, but also a great fiction writer and a great cultural critic. She writes the, a column in the New York Times. She's she's fantastic. But anyway, uh, she did a live stream um, one time, and somebody asked her. Like oh, I just googled her. I know who she is. You know her? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So she, she did a live stream, and somebody was like, "As a black PhD student going into my first year, what advice do you have?" And she was like, "You can't be on every committee they ask you to be on. You can't be. You can't represent your whole race with everything." Because like this summer, after I mean, they're trying to take steps at U of T to make things better, I guess, which is great, and I'm all for it. But they asked me to be on so much shit. I was like, "Man, I can't do this because I have to focus on." I have to focus on what I'm here to do. So that's kind of like, um, but I feel like I haven't really had space to, to really unpack uh, the shit I've dealt with uh, these past three or four years here. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, I know, I know this, I know the work for exists and I know I have to like really work through some shit. I just haven't, I haven't done it yet because I haven't had space to. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of like, I mean, it, there's a lot to, uh, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense and I totally understand, like it, it, that's, it blows my mind that you're the only black student in the jazz program. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't have words to describe it. I, it's kind of like, uh. There's, is there a black faculty? No. What are we doing here? Like, yeah, well, that's that's a good question. I mean, I know what I'm doing. I'm I uh, I, I have a scholarship and I'm getting and the tuition's cheaper. That's I mean, uh, you know, but uh, 
And also, I have family in Canada, and I like Toronto. But I think, like, they can make it up to me by hiring me in 15 years at their school. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of where I'm, my head is at, like... I think we need to take a hard look. I mean, I think they are trying to take a hard look at it, but I don't even know. I'm so removed from that. Like, like I mean, anyway, you know, I, I could talk about this for a while, but I don't think I need to. Like, I think I... Whoever's listening to this, uh, if they <laughs> when, when they hear the words only black student in a program of 120 playing black music, you know, I think that the message is like clear enough about where I stand and also what that means. So, you know, I, I could talk about this for hours, but I don't think I need to. Yeah. I'm, uh, I was going to say it appears that they're trying, but I don't know if it like the Instagram thing that they posted recently was pretty sad. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even read it. I was just like, I was like, man, like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, um, um, again, I don't use this word lightly, but like racial violence, like, at, like, uh, maybe see, the word violence is tricky because like in academic settings, like you can use the word violence in this context and it like makes sense for people. But I think when a lot of people hear violence, they think like beatings Yeah, and that's not absurd. So maybe not. Anyway, but my, my point is, I feel like these are like legitimate grievances and I'm just speaking about my experience. And if I burn a bridge, like because of that, then that reflects on the other person. Like I'm not really, I, I'm going out of my way, like not to call people out really. So like, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of talking about things that, I, that I've experienced at, at um, a certain Canadian jazz institution located in downtown Toronto. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I I oh. I mean I know what the answer is. Right. It's quite an obvious answer, but um I mean it's why I it's why I moved away. Like Right. It's like I want to get to the source of this music. Yeah. And uh the way we're doing it here. I mean, we like probably easy to say as a white person but i feel like the, the city has has or our scene has come leaps and bounds since the time that i left in 2013 mm. i feel like it's a much more like wide open space for everyone okay which is nice like it it, it just feels different than when i left yeah good, i like but... this i like the scene part i like all the musicians that I go out and hear when things are normal, you know, and I like the people that I play with, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have any, I mean, I would like for there to be more black people on the scene, but I think there are like, like social and like human geographical reasons for why that isn't the case at the moment. Mm. Some of which I feel like is, um, I think perpetuated by, the scene of self itself, some of which I think is just like because of how history works and maybe how history works is also how like colonialism works. But anyway, like not even to get into that. But so I would like, yeah, say, okay. So yeah, I would like for there to be like more black people in the scene um, or just people of color more generally playing this music here. But like other, like, you know, I mean, that's a pretty big thing. But other than that, I like Toronto, the scene, like the scene here is great and I love playing and I love the the clubs we have. Like, you know, I just, I dig it here. 
Yeah. It's like I would li- I would live here. I I'm probably gonna leave. Um, I mean, for the same reasons that you did, but I I'd like to come back. You know, like I it's not like it's not like a fuck Toronto thing at all. Um, yeah, it's or, the one thing. One of the things that like really interests me is like on. I'm pretty sure on paper, or like whatever the statistics are, like Toronto is the if not one of the most diverse cities on the planet yes and it's still like a bunch of white people playing jazz yeah like it's 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 bizarre how that happened Uh, yeah i don't know i don't know how that happens but yeah uh yeah i i I don't know i have some thoughts maybe but i don't really know like they're not fleshed out like at all i don't uh i i was talking to a certain american bass player who I won't name but he he said to me one time the Canadian thing has always been weird to me because like you guys have Oscar Peterson like had Oscar Peterson and like but and then he was like but I don't know like where that it like what I can't remember his exact words damn it he was like but I, I was just he was like, I don't really feel that when I play with Canadian musicians all the time, like a lot of the time. Like, I don't really feel that influence. I don't really feel that vibe. He was like, but you guys had Oscar Peterson. Anyway, it was like a whole thing um, that just kind of deeply impacted me in a way I don't think he meant to. But I was just like, wow, yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah, I th- because I think like, I mean, I I could be wrong because I haven't actually gone to any of the Toronto institutions, but they kind of shove like Kenny Wheeler and the Boss Brass and Phil Nimmons and that whole large ensemble. I yeah. don't know what it like. I don't know. I feel zero connection to that music. And yeah. I also feel, I don't even really feel that connected to Oscar Peterson, mm. but I don't yeah. know. It just seems like that's part of the institution problem. Well, I also think like, well, yes, I, I agree. And I think that when your identity is constructed around being Canadian, read being white, when your musical identity, the, the identity of the music that you play is 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 founded in like, I guess Canadianness. Um, that's cool, but it, it's not cool if you don't take a critical lens to that and think about what that means in the context of playing music created by black people. You know what I mean? Like, I think like, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. Like, I think that's the word. Music's weird. Or not music's weird. But just like, life is weird. And I think people are doing their best, but sometimes their best, like, intentionally, like, or not intentionally, but like, leaves out important things, I think. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, it uh, definitely makes sense. I Yeah. I think that sums it up yeah. pretty nicely. Um, yeah, we don't have to get into it. Okay. <laughs> um, but the something that I've noticed um, is that, like, underneath all of the things that I hate about this uh, this scene and the institutions and stuff, um, underneath it all, like moving away sort of taught me how awesome 
it is here like mm. going to another city and just and having people ask me about people that i see at the wrecks like once a week you know like mm. people asking me about terry clark and yeah. ed bickert and larnell and rich brown and it's like oh yeah these people are the best mm-hmm mm-hmm it's yeah man you know so yeah i don't think any gripe i have about music in toronto is about the musicianship or the caliber of you know what i mean yeah or the the level of musicality is always very very high here and that's something i'm appreciative of um because it pushes me to get my shit together too i mean you know uh yeah i i do know it's like uh this whole shutdown thing has like amplified it for me like mm. getting being in that position of seeing essentially hearing music every night at the rex when i'm at work mm. um post shutdown or how to when we reopened for a bit <laughs> everyone was coming back after like six months off and they like everyone was just breathing fire like mm. everyone was it just everyone sounded like fresh they were in the shed for the whole time like it was just like a super inspiring mm -hmm. bounce back and that made me hit the shed even harder this time like i've been mm. it's like all i've been doing yeah man beautiful that's great um so we just so people are on the same page, we, you were doing a, um, a weekly at the Rex. I was, yeah. And then you were playing there with other people like once or twice. So I was seeing you like a couple times a week for that period of time. About a month. For about a month. And like, uh, but like literally every single time you played at the Rex, you sounded better. Which is oh, man. Like the most incredible thing to watch with someone. Like watching them put in work and then show up and just be more killing each time is like it's like the most it's the best part of this thing like watching people mm. figure their shit out yeah yeah man well i was like really uh i feel like that's how i get better is by playing and listening to what happened on the gig and what worked and what didn't work and and like playing more and playing and playing and play like man i mean i don't know I, you're your own worst critic but i felt i feel as though i was like really sad the summer after my second year like it just like wasn't wor whatever i was doing i don't know i just wasn't happening for me and then that summer i like play it's, it felt like i was playing every night and i feel like that's how i got better it's just by playing gig after gig after gig. and like you know what i mean like figuring that out but hey thank you man that means a lot coming from you especially like i just you know i I felt like I got a lot better in like what August and September, however long the Rex was open, just because I was like playing there like three or four times a week. And like, it felt also like the music, man, like, because we hadn't had that opportunity in months. Like, I felt like I was like, I'm not taking this for granted. Like, I need to, I need to play. I, I need to play. Yeah, man, I need to play. Like, that's kind of how I was feeling um, in that time. And it's messed up now because, like, I don't want to do any – like, I want to play the bass so bad that I can't because of my finger, man. Like, so it's just like 
Ah, trying to stay positive in that is such a pain. Um, but you know, it could be much worse. So, but yeah, dude, thank you, man. If I can get my hands back playing the acoustic bass, well, and also the electric bass, cause I can't do that either right now. Um, that'll be really good for me. I'd like, like <laughs> do you have a, do you have like a timeline? No. The thing, well, they, they told me two weeks and then after two weeks it was still hurting. So I have physio next week and I imagine that's when I'll get a bit of a timeline. But until then I'm like, I might try, like, I'm gonna see how it feels today. I haven't yet, but um, every couple of days I like check to see how it feels. Like I not really play, but just like play a couple notes, you know? Yeah. Um, I started doing that after the two weeks. Um, so we'll see, but I don't, I don't want to like get back into like actually playing until I can have like a physiotherapist tell me what I need to do and give me like a realistic like assessment and shit. So <sighs> yeah, it's shit. It's like the worst. Yeah. It's one of the worst things like not being able to play. Um, I've, I don't know what works because I just have tried so many different things, but like, mm -hmm. um, I do all of the like uh whatever you want it like the witchcraft things that that they say for like inflammation oh so whatever that is or isn't or natural medicine or whatever you want to yeah. say but so i do like apple cider vinegar and i do um fish oil and um i try to be really cautious of like of the foods that I'm eating right that's something I'm not hip to at all um so just like I've I'm still messing around with my with different styles of diet but like I've gone through phases of cutting out carbs and cutting out mm. sugar and cutting out uh dairy okay and I think they all they all have an effect on my body and so i just try to be i mean i'm not really i'm not that meticulous with it but i just like try to have an idea of like the things that cause certain problems yeah um and the huge thing for me that that really worked was uh getting like two bowls of water and making one really hot and making one ice cold and just like going back and forth between them like mm. really helps with pain and inflammation and stuff so like i think i don't know what they say like 30 seconds and 30 seconds or, or something but that worked a lot for me that's cool i haven't i haven't even heard of that so thank you for passing that on i might try that later today just to because that's the thing i've been like wearing the thing to keep it straight yeah but i haven't really and i have this anti-inflammation cream <laughs> cream i feel like an old person but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh a uh physiotherapist for older people that my mom knows told me about the ice thing ice hot water thing mm. so it's like just part of the uh, i miss playing the bass it'll come back or like i will come back to it because i have to like there's no way that i can't i like i don't know how it, it's kind of messed up and i need to work on this but like i don't have direction in my life 
without music, but also like the bass to channel that music, if that makes sense. I know. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly how I would describe my life. Yeah. And um, we're approaching that point where it sounds dark and it sounds selfish and all of the things, but we're approaching that point where I'm not worried about getting sick or dying in mm. comparison to trying to play more. Yeah, and I, I'm not, definitely not saying don't like fucking be safe. We gotta yeah. be safe. We gotta take care of each other, but also like, I really need to play. Yeah, man. And I don't know, I don't know what the, I mean, there's a show tonight at, on Ossington. It's like Mark Hundevad's playing. So I guess people are doing it, but. Yeah. It's like that, bro. Like, I don't know what else to say. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's like, it's just, it's a good reminder that we're on the right track, I guess. Yeah. Do you have any spots in mind for uh, grad school? Or like who you're chasing down or whatever? Um, well, I was going to apply to um, and those were the two two ones that I was like, just because the bass teachers there are great, man. Like, uh, well, Rodney Whitaker is my man. Like, I I love I've, I've had a couple lessons with him. I love his thing. I love the way he plays. I love all the music. Like, I just he's one of my favorite bass players. And then I I was looking at because I I studied with Ben Wolf over the summer on Zoom. I got a grant from the school to do that um and that was really cool and i love same thing i love his bass playing i love what he's about i love his records um and like he's yeah he was just like a great person to like kind of hang with on zoom as well so like um those were kind of the two that i was looking at and then i i i started an application at just because like la seemed cool Mm. but like i don't I don't really know the bass teachers there or like I I think they're heavy but it's like a bit of a different thing than what I'm interested in um but also what I'm interested in changes every like two to three months so uh that's problematic because like well not it's not problematic I think it's good and healthy in some ways but um I, you know just like it would be good I, I sometimes wish that I were a person because I have friends like this who like just can be really interested in one thing for like a year or two and like only or like really almost exclusively check out that one thing and get super deep into this one thing. And I'm not like that at all. I kind of have like a circle of things that I feel like I uh, spent a couple months here and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a little envious of like, like, uh, like my friend, Tom Hainbuck, um, you know Tom. Yeah, great bass player. Yeah. What is that? Great bass player. Great bass player, exactly. Yeah, man. And uh, not to pigeonhole Tom, and I don't want to say, like, this is going on record, and I don't want to say that this is the only thing Tom does, but I am, like, deeply inspired by how deep Tom got into bebop. Like, just how how much of of that, of that thing he made his own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, like, I don't really... I feel like I don't work that way where I can get into something for like a couple of years and like really get into, you know what I mean? I feel like I slowly am getting into a lot of things and it circle. 
of depth, so to speak. Oh, the people aren't going to see this on the podcast, um, but it kind of grows. <laughs> but what I, I'm, I'm making a gesture with my hands that expands, that represents uh, my interests expanding and me getting deeper into them for those who can't see the video. But, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, but I'm envious of cats who are just like, this is what I'm going to do for a couple, like a long time. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's like, I don't know if it matters. Like we're all, as long as we're, as long as we're being honest with the things that we're digging into, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We find, we'll find shit eventually. We all find our shit, you know, like, um, I spent, yeah, I don't know. I've got a weird relationship with it. I feel like when I dig into bebop, it comes back pretty quickly. But mm. if I'm not like keeping up on it, it just disappears, and I don't sound like that at all. Right. It's a weird. It's a weird one. But I guess it's like everything. Like, it's like a language, man. Yeah, like, if you don't talk, you don't remember how to talk. You know, like totally. whatever. I remember being on a session in the first year, you know, Maddie, right? Yeah. yeah. Maddie or so. And, uh, I don't know. We were like talking in between, t- like in between, uh, tunes that we were playing and I can't even remember, but I just like what the context was or whatever, but I was just like, I think, maybe I vibe somebody like not in the session, but maybe I like said something kind of shitty about somebody else or I, or somebody said, I can't really remember, but I think I'd said that somebody else couldn't swing, like not up here, but like just somebody in the community or something. And then, or maybe fuck, I can't even remember. Sorry. I'm the worst storyteller ever. <laughs> Don't Jeez. get but basically she was just like, yeah, well, none of us can. And I was like, oh, yeah, that checks out. That's true. Because, uh, like, you know, like, what does 18-year-old anybody know about swinging? Like, not much unless you're like Lee Morgan or something, you know? Yeah, there's always those people that like, uh, yeah, people like that are great. They just put it all into perspective for you, I think. Um Yes. She sounds great. Yeah, she's killing. Yeah, amazing trumpet playing. Amazing musician, just generally. Yeah. Although, I guess whenever I say amazing instrument player, I also mean that they're, like, I wouldn't be saying one without the other, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's fantastic. Like, um, I loved having her in my band at Poetry. Um, even it was just for like the like month and a half that poetry was open. Um, it was it's a good vibe of poetry, man. Like, or it was um, back when it was open. Like everything. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Man. It's it was cool. Yeah, I I've never I've never been there, but I know it's small. Yeah, and that. As much as I want to just be like, all right, let's wear masks, like let's get back to normal. There's a certain yeah. point where I'm like, all right, small rooms kind of make me nervous. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It was uh, definitely a uh, 
interesting situation to be in. I was supposed to play electric bass with this singer there, and like it just fell through because, um, I mean, she didn't want to perform there because it's a small room, and I totally, I, I, uh, yeah. I don't, it, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. And everyone, like, it, it feels like, uh, at times on this podcast, it, it sort of feels like I'm, I'm talking shit, um, because I, or not necessarily talking shit, but, um, being overly positive about the Rex, mm. just because it feels so safe. But it does feel really safe. And, um, yeah, I, I I don't want to sound high horsey as the Rex door guy. You know what I'm saying? But there's a certain point where you can't do yeah. much in a small room. <laughs> yeah. At this point, yeah. and it sucks. And I don't know what the answer is because, like, you gotta. Everyone's just trying their best, you know. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, man. <sighs> I don't know. But uh, hopefully. This vaccine is like the best thing ever, and every single Canadian gets vaccinated, and then we can play again. Yeah, I don't even. I'm not even holding out for a vaccine, honestly. Like, yeah, I think that's going to be so many years from now once everyone gets it. Like, mm. I think shit's gonna. I think it's gonna work itself out before mm. a vaccine comes around. If I think, but what do I know? I'm uh, doing a podcast in my bedroom. You know, like I live in one room. What do I know? What can I possibly know about this whole thing? Um, have you had any? Have you had any uh, lessons over the pandemic? Yeah, um, I mentioned studying with Ben uh, earlier, which was amazing. Um, I had one with Rich Brown on my birthday, which was killing. Um, yeah, I especially because just like in school, I haven't been playing electric that much, and I'm trying to. I'm like really trying, man. I'm well, I can't do anything with my finger, as I, but like I'm really trying to. Like, I'd rather be equally good at upright bass and electric bass in 20 years than like really fucked at upright in 10 and can't play electric at all, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's hard in school, but I'm really trying to like, um, get that together. But so I had a lesson with Ridge and it was great. Um, I still definitely need a lot more guidance before I can be confident, uh, in, well, no, actually, you know what? I feel like I'm a confident electric bass player, but I, there's a great disparity in the comfort level. And so I, I feel like I definitely need more lessons with with electric bass players and then who else have I man I had a lesson with Harish Raghavan and that was great nice it was really awesome yeah uh, what did you guys get into uh, a lot of things I'm trying to remember uh, uh, like like routine he stressed the importance of routine for himself and suggested that I kind of get on that vibe as a way to kind of really focus my practice um, and like so like splitting this everything down into like 10 minute increments mm. and repeating that like twice a day um, 
what else did we, we talked about like he gave me this ron carter transcription to do which i just like couldn't like i don't think my ears because it's 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 walking from uh from 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 that record that is very famous the plug nickel hmm. um from the first night and i couldn't really hear it in my headphones so i'm i'm like slowly working through it um but just the like underneath Miles solo he, he told me to transcribe that so just like kind of like i guess regular bass stuff he showed me some exercises um to because i asked him i think about my right hand a lot because more than anything i don't like the way it looks <laughs> um uh when i play and i feel like it if it looks sad it'll sound sad in my head so like i just asked him about his right hand technique and just ways to kind of focus in on like like just details details of things you know like like refining because i think a lot about like arm weight and the, the big muscles and getting that into the sound not like pulling super hard but just using the weight um but like kind of finessing that into your fingers so you can still get weight into the sound like stuff you know stuff like that mm -hmm. Um, I one of the things that I I got it through the grapevine like friends friends studied with Ron Carter and they did the he makes his students hold a cork oh in these but underneath their pinky and their ring finger on their plucking hand crazy um when they play to learn this style cool um and like as soon as I started doing that I was like oh this makes sense yeah just because like the a lot of shit just sorted itself out right um, wow try that i'll check it's yeah it's cool how it, it's something to do with like the way that like when you're when two of your fingers are tight the muscles move differently in your hand interesting cool I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything. And like sometimes I see my hand in pictures or videos, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing?" But other times, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's well, yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing is like, it can't look perfect or be perfect always, and also it doesn't need to look perfect as as long as it sounds perfect. But that's also just my like, in my head, I'm just like, "Oh man," you know. Like, I also just think my fingers are like weirdly long, <laughs> like. Um, and so, like, I just am self-conscious about my right hand. I don't know. It's, like, a pretty... You know whose right hand I love? Like, do you know uh, uh, Dan Shimolinsky? That bass player? He lives in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, like, follow him on Instagram or whatever. I don't know him at all. But um, I just, like, love the way his right hand looks so, like, relaxed when he when he's playing. And I'm just, like... Man, I like I gotta figure out a way to to get on that vibe. Anyway, can you tell I think about the right hand a lot it, when I'm playing? It's like it's good. Maybe a little... like, it's it's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be like yeah. way overly analytical about playing yeah. an instrument that isn't really designed for humans to play. Exactly. So exactly. Like, whatever we figure out, like it's the hardest thing, and also the best thing mm. and so we just gotta 
we just got to attack from all angles, I think. I need to focus more on my left hand, though, now. Yeah, me too. That's, my that's the next question. My left hand is extremely problematic, mm. especially switching between upright and electric. So what did you talk about with Rich? With Rich, um, he gave me these just, like, scale exercises to get my left hand happening. Um, like So just, like, major scale um pattern like just playing different intervals uh and different like basic patterns um that i just hadn't done before um and we talked about my right hand on electric um and i like you know when you're used to playing upright there's like a lot you have to do a lot more with your right hand to get the sound out and he was basically like I, he just basically told me to like chill out and like it's kind of like um what what is what was the word he used um just kind of like rake my fingers over the strings almost rather than like pull through, like pull really hard i think was what he said um but just cut, like i could be more delicate he actually told me one thing he used to do on on gigs was like turn his amp volume all the like way up and then uh when he was working on the delicacy thing and then play like as light as possible to get the sound he wanted. And when he would get excited, he would pull too hard and then it would get loud and the band leader or whatever would be like, hey man, like turn down. And then he'd like, so just as a way to like practice aware awareness of your right hand or whatever. So that was actually really cool. Um, just cause I hadn't thought, I've like, I just haven't thought about technique as much on the electric bass. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just haven't, especially because it's like, I mean, I don't want to say it's easier, but like, like the, Physically, it's a much easier. Like yeah, exactly. Like physically, I, I'm. It doesn't require like less nuance. That's not what I'm saying. But just it's easier to. It's easier on your body. Yeah. Like you know. Um. So I just haven't thought about it as much. So, just kind of getting into that vibe was great. Um. And then yeah, with Wolf, it was cool. We did like a lot of. Uh, so he studied with Ron Carter and Ray Brown. And so he kind of has like some of his own stuff and then a lot of stuff he's taken from them and kind of made his own. So one thing that was cool we did with him was just this like exercise we did, I did with him or he taught me, uh, was uh, like, have you heard of this exercise? I don't know how popular it is, but it's like uh Playing at F blues, it comes from Ron Carter. Playing at F blues in half position using only triads. Um, and then eventually you can add the seventh. Right. Um, but only if you're going, only if it's like going to the third of the next chord, obviously. Or yeah, and then, um, but then you go up to, I guess, first position. I can't remember the semantic positions, but the one where F sharp on the E string is your first finger. Um, and then you do the same thing. So it's still a F blues, um, and you're playing only triads. Um, and then you go up to, I guess, is it second position or first and a half position? I'm not sure. I have no idea what, what positions are. I've never done oh. that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I took classical lessons first before I started playing jazz. So, um, like in high school, Yeah. but anyway, I just, so, I just read this stuff and I don't pay attention to. Yeah what position or whatever evidently anything that i should be paying attention to well no i don't think it's that important like i mean you know you know where the 
your hand goes. I think that's the important part. I don't think the semantics of is this first or first and a half position are <laughs> that important. Um, I just couldn't. I just was taught that way, but I kind of have forgotten it now because it's been so long. Um, but anyway, you go up to where F on the D string is your first is, is your first finger, and then you do the same thing. And then you go up to where F on the A string is your first finger, and you do the same thing. And it's only triads and sometimes a seventh. And like just kind of working through it, just it's like a neck awareness exercise. And then you can also do that, but so what I would do is I would play like uh, a, like my own bass line, so not triads, but like whatever notes I wanted, but only stay in that position. And then I would move up and, and then I would do the triads and then I would move up and play my own bass line, then do the triads and move up. So it's just kind of like a way of getting awareness on the neck and playing ideas. And you know how Israel Crosby like will uh, play, like displace um, phrases by octaves in his walking like uh, yeah. like yeah it's like like uh, I don't know I just feel like that's a thing he does a lot uh, but th that exercise is great for like just hearing those kind of ideas because mm -hmm. um, like what Ben said to me is like man the whole history of western music is in like the bottom of the neck like all 12 notes all like I'm not talking about like different octaves or whatever I'm just talking about all the notes are at the bottom of the bass. So you have to figure out where all of them are and just place them by octaves and you're walking and stuff like that because they're all there. And so you could, like what he would do is he would just play in that half position or like like first finger over F on the E string. Um, and he was like, I could do this all day. And he would just play lines and just place them by octave and stuff. And he was like, I'm not gonna say that, I, I'm not saying they're good bass lines, but I, I could do it all day is yeah. what he, like, would say and it's like just that the kind of like and another thing he said that really had an impact on me uh in in relation to that exercise was like the uh thing about oh dude i just totally lost my train of thought <laughs> um he said he said like a lot of people like people kind of like neglect serious study of the lower end of the instrument um because we spend so much time like like learning thumb position and stuff, which is good too, but like, um, like really learning how to operate creatively um, in like the lower end of the instrument. And I was just like, oh yeah, true. Cause, and then I watched videos of myself. I'm always playing on like the D string and the G string. Um, and I mean, I play, you know what I mean? But like, I, it was like a really beautiful moment for self-criticism. Cause I was like, oh yeah, like there's like a lot of shit I'm not playing that's right under my fingers. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's I got to start doing that, I think. Mm. Like I'm at I don't even know. Mm. I don't pay. I don't know what the fuck notes I'm playing when I'm mm. when I'm walking like I don't know, it's just like roots and like using my ear to connect them. Yeah. So I'm like totally unaware of function and like mm. what notes are I got to get down that road again i think right start analyzing stuff like uh i played at the yeah. rex recently and i was playing a tune with or i was playing on cyclic episode i think is that mm -hmm. is that sam rivers that's a sam rivers tune. yeah so we were playing that and it was 
like really fast and I wasn't paying much attention to what I was doing. I was just kind of like hanging on for dear life, playing Roots and just like mm -hmm. connecting the dots and not even not even playing a lot of Roots, just like trying to connect the dots and use my ears while I was being like so overworked just because I was like out of shape and didn't really know the tune and whatever. And I got off stage and like the first thing that two bass players said to me was like, they they complimented my lines on cyclic episode and i was like right. i was literally just panicking and like trying to use my ears maybe sometimes it's worth not even going down the down the the hole of like what am mm -hmm. i actually doing here i don't know yeah but it's important to look at and i think i, sh I should but well yeah but i think like whatever kind of study of the neck has to be met with open ears that accept that like that can find you know ah, like that can find good notes you know like which is what it sounds like your concept is right like like using your ear to find good notes and connect the dots as you said i think that's like really maybe a little undervalued um especially just in spaces where we learn this music in school just because like like it's all like it's at least in my like school is always about the why why does this work why 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 but i mean if it sounds good to your ears that's like that's good enough and that's it it, it sounds like it's working for you i don't know if it's so, work like i still don't have any gigs so i don't know if it's working for me but uh like i don't know like i get more and more hints about I don't know, more and more, and as I get older, I start to get to the point of like, I mean, when it comes to playing tunes and walking bass lines, mm -hmm. I get, it comes up more and more, these little hints of like, does it matter what the changes are? Mm. And I know it does, of course, but I get, well, I get glimpses of like, what are we actually doing here? Like... Yeah. Most of the things that we, most of the important things that we're expected to do, we can hear, whether we know it or not, I think. I don't know. I think we just got to trust ourselves. Like know the changes or not. Yeah, no. No, I know what you mean, man. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I am like... I mean, I think like, yeah, my playing has changed a lot in the past like six months, just with that question in mind. Like, uh, I think, I, well, I, basically, I think abstractions from standard harmony are good when used well. And I think that that's kind of the shit. And like, you're, if you open yourself to that kind of language, I think your ears will guide you there on the bandstand and beautiful things can happen. Definitely. Sometimes it can feel like, uh, I guess just like demonstrating that you know, like almost like demonstrating competent competency. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. And I'm trying to, and I'm trying to demonstrate music, <laughs> not even mute. Like, hmm. To a certain mm. extent, I'm like, how can I get, how can I, how can I derail this train? Mm. Right. 
because uh, I, I don't know, dying to yeah. dying together with people mm. in front of other people, or when you're playing solo, just like that experience of like, holy shit, now what do we do? Is yeah. like the most valuable experience, I think. But wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. That's heavy, man. Um, but also again. I have no gigs, so. <laughs> well, no one does. That's true, but uh, even pre-COVID, I didn't. So, like, I don't know. It's just like uh, I tiptoe this line of trying to um, not disrespect the music, yet also uh, completely disrespect the the way that european harmony is has been forced down based on institutions right so i don't know what the answer is but to come back to the ben wolf thing um i do need to spend more time on that sort of thing sorting out what notes and limit putting limitations on lines mm -hmm. and all those, all those things or not i mean it's like one way to figure out the bass, but I mean, I don't know. I like, I know, I know what you mean, and I like what you're saying. I, I guess for me, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like really know that. Like, I guess one thing I think about a lot is just like, I'm trying to like really, 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 really learn harmony and then like transcend it almost or like not transcend in like a I'm like a self-referential like I'm not a messiah figure or something but just like I I'm trying to really learn harmony so that I don't have to play it but maybe you don't have to learn harmony to not you know yeah uh, I don't know I'm not sure um, yeah I feel like I learned most of this or I don't even want to say I I discovered these ideas like by transcribing Dwayne Burno mm. and just being like, what the fuck are these notes? Right. But they sound good. Yeah, man. He's somebody I haven't checked out as much, but I'm, I I love his playing, man. I, I should, man, you know what? After, uh, after this Bud Powell phase, it's going to be Dwayne Burno, Dwayne Burno session or like check out checking out fast for me because there's some shit yeah. there's like there's a i think it might be myron myron walden's first record what's it called or i'll just write down myron walton first record i'll i don't know if it's it his first one uh give me a sec and it's like it's myron Dwayne burno kurt rosenwinkel i guess it's his second record it's called okay. like like a flower seeking the sun Beautiful. Okay. I moved to New York to kind of like, it sucks. And I think this is why I go to see so many shows, but like Berno was like one of the reasons why I moved there. I was like, Oh, I need to, this is one of yeah. the, this is one of the sources for sure. And then not yeah. longer, not long after I moved there, I only saw him play once and then he passed oh. away. So it was like, yeah, now I just go to, I go to shows all the time. Like yeah. I can't, I can't risk yeah. not seeing these people whoever they are you know like you mm -hmm. never know what's going to happen it happened no, you don't. it also happened with jim hall 
Mm. And I moved, yeah. I, like, I don't know. Yeah, man. I, it was my, I, well, yeah, man. I, I would have given a lot of things to see Roy Hargrove play. You know, um, yeah, you never know. Th- thanks for sharing that with me. That's actually really, uh, watching movie. that's, that's some other shit. Mm. Roy, it's like uh, watching him babysit the sessions at Smalls. It's mm. just like yeah. an incredible experience. Like he would just kind of sit off to the side with his trumpet, and then someone's playing, and they're like maybe kind of having a rough time, and then he would just sort of like play a little bit of the melody to help out. It's like just the greatest. And then if someone needed to be like cut up a little bit he would like lean into like just the greatest i don't know what that session's going to be like now that he's left the earth but like i learned a lot watching him for sure about how to do, just like deal with people i think right wow i don't know just like he made a lot of things a lot less scary for me that's awesome man yeah that's amazing. And I don't, I never even, I don't think I even met him. I, I talked to him once on like the street corner because he lived right around the corner from school. Mm. So I, you'd see him around here and there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Dark times without him for sure. Right. Actually, never mind. Well, actually, I think I've asked you this question before, which is why I'm hesitant to ask it again. But I was, what do you, what do you think? about uh a a young bass player in toronto much like myself looking to move possibly to new york what do you think about that idea um well half half the battle is the legalities of it right which i i don't have to deal with yeah so i mean i don't know i think i sort of learned uh i don't want to generalize but it sort of seemed like uh, people who go to New York, uh, if you show up to New York with your shit together, it's way easier than showing up without your shit together and having to dig yourself out of that hole, I think. Right. Um, so, like, I I see myself maybe moving back there eventually, mm. but... I think I need to have like a band together and I need to have like a bit more of a career. I think Mm. I don't, I don't know. I I just like, um, and I don't, I'm not, I don't want to discourage anyone from moving there and seeing what it's all about at all. Cause it was a great experience for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not the first place I would go for grad school. I think. Probably. Mm. Gotcha. I think. But I don't know. I'm not really sure. Um, I sort of watched it fall apart a little bit. And, you know, like, there's always that thing, like, older musicians saying, like, it's not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I was there for five and a half years or six years or something. And just watching just watching it fall apart a little bit in the five years that I was there was like kind of devastating. So like, 
I can't imagine what it's like for the older musicians who have been there for like 30 or 40 years watching the demise or the change. I mean, it always survives. Like it's going to survive. It's going to be fine. But I think they're at a, um, they're at a pretty low point. I think like, I don't even know where there is to play right now. Smalls, Mesro. Um, I mean, aside from the big ones, like Vanguard, Standard, Birdland, all those, all those spots, but I don't know what's left. I don't know where you find a room to play. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. But like you, like half the battle is going through the paperwork. So you're already a bit ahead of the game. You've got your shit together. Like, I don't know. Could be great. Yeah, I don't know. You could be one of the hot shots that just shows up and automatically gets all the gigs. Who knows? Because that happens on a regular basis. Like, new kid shows up who sounds great, and then suddenly he's in every band. You know, like, I watched it happen over and over again, you know? Mm. Well, thank you for your advice, bro. I don't even know if it's advice. I don't know. Or your thoughts, whatever. I mean, I appreciate your uh, wisdom. I well, I don't know if it's you. <laughs> You're older than me, so it's wisdom. Okay. All right. <laughs> fair enough. Um, it depends why you're moving somewhere, I think. But I think that idea of living somewhere and being a working musician mm-hmm. and having the, <laughs> the false idea that you can just move somewhere or just live in one place and survive off gigs is uh going further and further away like i think we i think for the most part this only works if we're on the road a lot right so the idea of new york is kind of dwindling in that sense also i i think right who knows i I have no idea i don't know i'm i'm not sure but yeah i know what you mean man i think about that a lot that's part of the like i'm thinking for next year i don't know i'm either gonna move home uh to save money move to or or stay i stay in toronto move home or or move to montreal but like the money factor is like you know i mean if i move home you know i can live in my mom's crib for you know and get a day job and save money or whatever but yeah is there are there like could you play a lot if you move home yeah uh there's a good scene there's a really man north carolina is a special place there is some really good music there sweet yeah do do you know this drummer uh bean no jeremy clemens bean clemens okay he he um like i i guess is like i guess known rather famously at like he's he plays in sullivan foreigners trio but he like lives in durham um, which is a city in North Carolina and he's incredible. And there's this guy named Ernest Turner, who's a fantastic pianist. This guy named Al, there's, there's so many people. Um, there's so many good musicians everywhere in the world. It feels like, man. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's awesome. It's like, it's amazing. And I think, I think this COVID situation has like spread us out even more. Yeah. Which I think is pretty beneficial based Mm. on the idea that we're that this career is mostly sustainable if you travel right it's hard to just sit in one place and 
and make a living kind of thing. Right. I don't know. Um, so this guy, I forget his name, Bean? Yeah, yeah. What, Bean, Jeremy Bean Clemens. Jeremy Bean Clemens. So was he, did he replace Lawrence Leathers after he passed away, or was he in that band? I think he was in that band before Lawrence. I'm not really sure what the timeline is on it. I just know he's on a record with Bean, or with, uh, with Sullivan. Also, I'm mixing up a lot of bands. I was you uh, said Sullivan, and I was thinking Aaron Aaron Deal. Oh, Aaron Deal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I feel so disconnected from the North Carolina scene because I haven't been there, man. Like it was like I was just starting to get calls to play with some of those guys when I was like leaving. So like, and man, this is bullshit, dude. I should man, my priorities just weren't straight in high school man like like my last year of high school well i guess it, this is just an unfortunate i don't know how much it speaks to how in order my priorities were but this really heavy, heavy local trumpet player hearing me at a jam session he kind of vibed me at the jam session but he also like gave me his number and i really should have taken more advantage of that and like called him and asked him questions but i didn't i just didn't know to do that i don't know anyway but he texted me one time and he's like hey what are you doing tonight can you play basically and I was like, oh, no, it's my prom night. But, like, in hindsight, I mean, like, I had a girlfriend at the time, and it would have been, like, a bad thing. It, it would have been irresponsible for me to have not gone to prom. But, like, it's just so unfortunate because it's like, man, if I could go back, I would do anything to play with him before I left because in my head I had this fantasy. It was like, oh, but I'll be back in North Carolina all the time, and, like, I can just play. That's not how it works. Like, that's just not, you know. Yeah, I know. I felt and, that same way when I moved to New York from Toronto. Mm-hmm. I felt like the whole time I was like, should I left too early? Right. That's how it feels. Like, anyway. But I guess that's just the shit we have in our head. Like, I don't know how true any of the, those feelings are, but, but you know. Yeah, it it's, uh, I mean, it's relevant. Like, I met a bunch of uh, Toronto people in New York. Oh, wow. So, like, I met Nick Frazier in New York. Um, mm-hmm. I met Brian Q and Mark Ballack and uh, who else? Uh, Matt Warshall. Like, all these guys oh, yeah. I met there because I left here kind of before I started playing with anyone. Right. And then, like, as we were there, they would always, like, come home over the holidays and have, like, some pretty sweet gigs. Mm-hmm. And I'd come home and just be like... what? Can, can I play okay. somewhere? Like, yeah. please. Uh, and so I, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's part of the, uh, it's part of the conundrum, I guess, of moving anywhere, really. Being a body in motion. Yeah. Was was Mark in New York at the same time you were? Balik. Mark God. Godfrey. Oh God. Uh, yeah, I met him in New York also. I also. Oh. Oh yeah, it's all. I met Mark Godfrey and Phil Albert in New York and oh. I feel like I'm forgetting people but whatever yeah man that goes to show you. I was talking with Andrew Gunning, um today we have our lesson but like I study with him but because my fingers hurt we just like talk for an hour um, each week it's it's pretty sweet actually I love talking to Andrew it's always a good conversation but it's a little like man I wish I could play the bass but anyway um <laughs> 
Maybe this is a little dark, but uh, we were, we just got to talking about something, and then the like Brooklyn came up for some reason, and, and he was like, <laughs> like he, he said something along the lines of like everybody who lives in Brooklyn is like Canadian or something, because we were talking about Canadians and Australians. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, he, he just made some like like kind of joke about that. Um, he says hello, by the way. He told me to say hello on the so. If uh, anybody, well, Andrew, if you're listening, I, I told Mike you said hello. Uh, um, and, and Andrew, I say hello right back at you. Thanks for listening. We should do an episode. Thanks for tuning oh, in. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. I've been listening to that in my sleep and in my waking hours. And... <laughs> well, we've been going for like two hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Are you, uh...